welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. Our topic today is the power of planning ahead. Let's get started. Is it true to say that if you're going to bid on an opportunity and you've just seen it on Fed Biz Ops, on FBO, it's the first time you're aware of it, is it true to say that you can't win? It's not true. It's, I would say it's mostly true. <laughs> it, it depends on a lot of variables. Uh, but it's, it's definitely an indicator. Yeah, it's a huge indicator, and it's more often true than it's false. How's that? That makes sense, and it's something we're going to explore today. And it really, it's important to explore both sides of this, is it's not just industry being early, but it's also the government folks starting early. It's understanding that earlier communication, earlier understanding of what we're trying to do with a contract is beneficial to both sides. Okay, then, before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks to Nick Nyack. Nick's a former chief procurement officer at the Department of Homeland Security. The specific reason I want to thank Nick, what he said was even as the leader of the acquisition folks at DHS, he was amazed that he hadn't heard of the podcast. And I thought, well, it's because we suck at marketing. <laughs> I appreciate Nick giving us the feedback, but also the fact that he's sharing our content and that other listeners are as well. So this is a good time to say, if you like the podcast, if you learn anything, tell a friend. If you tell one person, they tell one person. That's how more people learn about the podcast. It's called the network effect. All right, let's get into this. What do we mean by early? That's what we're talking about today, early. How early is early in the acquisition process? It can be before the RFP comes out. It should be. It has to be, really. Uh, it could also be before the acquisition planning starts. In other words, they figure out how they're going to actually compete the requirement or acquire it for that matter. And then it could be before market research. It can even be before the actual requirement is put together. Yeah, early can mean all of those things. And what it should mean depends on the complexity of what's being acquired. For a commodity, maybe early is just, hey, we know that the government is going to release an RFP, a request for proposal or request for quote. But for the most complex requirements, early could mean you should be involved, industry should be involved before the requirement is even written. Just think about that. If you are talking to the government and you introduce them to your solution, they might not even know they have a requirement for it. But if they write the requirement because they decide, wow, we could really use that, if they write the requirement with you in mind, think about how good your chances of winning are in that case. And on the government side, think about how successful your contract's going to be if the requirement that you're writing is something that you already know industry can do well. That's the reason to communicate early in the process. Yep, not not scrambling trying to describe what it is, but describing what's really out there, right? Now, it's not just us saying, start early. Everyone should be talking early. Even the FAR, the Book of Regulations, makes the case for early engagement. In FAR Part 1 that describes the FAR system, let me give you the actual site because it's no fun to do a contracting podcast if we don't bore people with FAR numbers at some point. FAR 1.102-2A. Four, nice, says the government must not hesitate to communicate with the commercial sector as early as possible 
in the acquisition cycle to help the government determine the capabilities available in the commercial marketplace. When you get to acquisition planning in FAR Part 7, it recommends that a contracting officer representative, a core or COTAR, separate podcast, it recommends that that person be assigned early in the process, very early in the process. FAR Part 10, market research, is talking about procedures for how you do market research. And to paraphrase, too long to read, conducting interchange meetings to involve potential offers early in the acquisition process. That's what it says. Early in the acquisition process, start talking to potential offers. So in short, the definition of early is earlier than we think. Uh, the, from, from experience, the times that I started earlier than it felt like I should were the most successful ones. So that's probably the way to think of it is that the term early really applies. It's a totally nebulous, judgmental term. But earlier than you think is the easiest way to do this and actually make it effective. Okay, let's link early to the time zones. We already sort of talked through this because we talked about what is early. Is it RFP? Is it during the market research? Is it before the requirement zone? So those are the first three zones of the acquisition time zone system. Requirement zone, market research zone, RFP zone. Definitely early applies there. You should be ahead of those in your communications between government and industry. Once you get to the source selection zone, things are locked down. Too late to make changes that are going to matter. And I don't want people to forget that if you're in the execution time zones, if you're post-award and you're in the performance zone or the recompete zone especially, don't forget that this is cyclical. And while you're in the execution time zones, you're actually overlapping with the beginning of the next acquisition time zone. So if you're in the performance zone and there's a continuing need for whatever you're supplying – the government is probably already in the requirement zone or the market research zone for the next acquisition. And definitely, when they get to the recompete zone, they're releasing RFPs for the next version of that requirement. So I'm sort of saying early never stops. There is no too early. Yeah, you, you want to be thinking at least one time zone ahead of where you are. It's important to talk about early and why early matters because... The opportunity is everywhere. I mean, the federal market is enormous. You have opportunity everywhere. In sales, we call this being in the tornado, where there's opportunity spinning around you. It, it feels like you're in that money machine at the car dealership where the dollars are all spinning around. You want to try and grab a couple of them, and that's what the tornado feels like. It's, but you can't really grab any of them. I've seen that on the game shows as well, where they stick you in the booth, and the money's all spinning around, and you have 15 seconds to grab as much as you do. And the, usually the person comes out with like $4 because it's just hard when there's that much happening. And, and that's what happens if you don't target, right? Think of it also like a glass-bottom boat, and you're, you're looking at all the fish you're trying, that you could catch, but you're in a glass-bottom boat. You don't have the ability to spear them through the glass, but you can see them all. So if you're in this early, you can be more selective. You can have a plan for how you're going to catch more money in that, that swirling tornado of opportunities. Maybe you got some sticky stuff on your hands or something that helps you do it. To use your fish analogy, you sort of have two choices. You can be all the way downstream at the end, catching whatever's left after everyone else has already done their fishing. And maybe you, you know, you get that one-eyed fish that nobody else wanted to eat. <laughs> or you can work all the way upstream where you have all the fish and you get to select which fish you'd like to catch. You may not catch it, but at least you have a chance to catch it. The last thing you want to do is be floating on a boat in the middle of a lake where there's no fish. 
and not know that there's no fish and you're just casting your line out there all day long getting sunburned. <laughs> yeah, you're in the Dead Sea and don't know it. <laughs> what this looks like from the government side, if you haven't been communicating early, you have too many options. These The options are everywhere. You're on the source selection team and you hit analysis paralysis because you thought you'd get a couple bids. Instead, you get 10 bids. So you have 10 1,000-page proposals because you haven't followed any of our advice and, and nar- narrowed that down to the minimum. Anyway. Or, or, or you get 500-page proposals. I mean, it's all relative. If it's more than you were expecting, if it's more than you have a reasonable amount of time to get through, that's the consequence of, of having too many options too long. You got to choose your path sooner, communicate that path with industry sooner. And the times that I did that were more successful at an engineering services contract where we talked about the kind of people we were looking for, the kind of expectations of, of the background we would need, whether or not they needed PhDs. We talked about that early and found out actually they only needed to be master's degrees because that's what the people that were doing the work with other agencies, like industry told us this. And I you know, double checked it with, with, you know, back channels, of course, but then in the end, that communication led to a better result, which meant more, more successful contract afterwards. Yeah, on the industry side, if you think you know what the government's expecting, but you haven't actually talked to them about it, the last thing you want to do is come in at the very end of the acquisition cycle, right about the time the RFP is released, and submit a proposal that is exactly what you think they want, and then lose horribly and find out you weren't even close because you haven't talked to them about it ahead of time. So I'm not really talking about commodities. What I'm really saying is for anything, any acquisition that is more than semi-complex, air quoting there, the government should not be surprised by who is bidding or by the solutions that they're providing in their, their proposals. If the government is surprised, they're going to have a hard time evaluating. If they're surprised by you, you're going to have a hard time winning. As a CO, the time that I want to be surprised is during the market research zone when I'm looking out to say, oh, who can actually do this? And I go, oh, look, this solution's out there commercially. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, we'll do this type of acquisition as opposed to getting a proposal that somebody says, this is commercially available and you didn't do it as commercial acquisition. So all whole bunch of stuff applies to the contract that this company can't do. And it's a downward spiral. And industry, the time you want to surprise the government is early before they even have a requirement. You may want to present them with a solution to a problem they didn't even know they had. And if you do that, you're so far ahead of it. You want them to say, oh, wow, we really do need something that does that. We didn't even know we needed that. So let's write a requirement that basically is what you supply. They write a requirement. They release an RFP. Hey, you're so far ahead of it. No one else can even compete with you. And, and that, that's the extreme example. And we'll, we'll do another podcast at some point about how the, the government market is requirements driven. Make sure that you're far enough ahead that what you do becomes part of the requirement. That's the extreme example. That's the ideal, right? But the closer you get to that ideal, the more successful you're going to be. The more you surprise the government before you send them the proposal, the better. Let's take a quick break to introduce our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Dell Tech. Do you want to grow your business and your bottom line? Dell Tech's GovWin IQ is the essential source for information teaming, and software solutions to help organizations find, manage, and win government business. To help you get ahead of the competition, 
Govlin's team of over 100 analysts is continuously researching, tagging, and tracking opportunities throughout the market. Here's Deltek's Kevin Plexico explaining how this helps you win more business. We're going to give you a better ability to go after an opportunity in a more targeted way, use your business development resources the way they're supposed to be used, which is selling, not researching, and improve your probability of winning an opportunity by better positioning you for it. Govwin IQ helps you understand important information like who the incumbent contractors are, what the agency's budget looks like this year, and the buying preferences and history of the agency you're targeting. For a free trial of Govwin IQ, go to deltech.com slash IQ free trial. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, we've been going back and forth, but let's talk specifically from the government side. Why does the government care about early? Because pre-award and post-award efforts, they're, they're kind of a constant relative to the acquisition. In other words, the more time you spend up front, the less time you'll have to spend after the contract's awarded and vice versa. And in which side do you want to spend the time on? I honestly wish I'd spent more time pre-award. That's what I learned the more I did this as a contracting officer is the more time I spent on the pre-award side, the less time I had to spend on the post-award side. But you're going to spend the time either way. So what you're saying is if it takes a year from the time you think I might need something government side to this is delivered to the users, if it takes a year, you may spend three months writing an RFP and and selecting a source and nine months dealing with all the problems that it's going to take. (laughs) to deli- deliver it because you wrote a really horrible RFP and the, the, you didn't communicate early and the offers didn't understand what you really wanted, so you got to get it straightened out later. So three months, nine months, one year. Or you could spend six months doing the acquisition process, awarding a contract, and then it takes six months to deliver exactly what you thought. Either way, it's still a year. And maybe if you do everything really well up front, it shrinks that year a little bit. But for sure, if you do everything poorly up front, the time it takes to deliver it is a lot longer. And, and of course, there's a process behind this. So there's a certain amount of time it's going to take anyway. And yeah. we can make that process. This long- is government acquisition. Right. We can make that process longer by not starting early, or we can get as close to hitting the minimum amount of time it's going to take to get it done. Because you're right. It's government acquisition. It's, you know, this isn't going to happen. In, this isn't going to happen quickly. It's just, it's just not. So let's minimize the amount of time it's going to take. And what we're saying is more work up front can help minimize the overall amount of time it takes to deliver what you want to deliver. One of the issues is different players are judged or rewarded or evaluated based on different milestones if you're on the government side. I used to celebrate getting an RFP out. Like it was right, major- right. Yeah, it's a big deal. There's all this buildup. Ah, we're finally released it. Woo, party, right? It's in the industry's hands now. We're, we're free for a little while while they write their proposals. But if the quality of it wasn't great, if the, that's not fair. If the clarity of it wasn't great, I may have just you know finished mailing out a turd to industry. And I did that. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of times I came back from you know, put out for a couple of weeks, and I would go on vacation. And go, woo! I got that out before I left, and I come back to like hundreds, okay, not hundreds, dozens of questions to the RFP. And those are questions that probably should have been answered ahead of time. So the, the challenge here is that you know, completion of, of, of a, a, a milestone, like getting the RFP out, may not be what we should be judged on. It's clarity, right? So celebrate progress toward clarity, not just, oh, good, we got the RFP pushed out the door. We got it through legal. Woohoo! Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate getting it through legal or getting the RFP released. <laughs> it is a milestone. Just like awarding the contract at the end of the source selection process is a milestone. 
it's a meaningless milestone or a mostly meaningless milestone if you have six months of protests after you get it awarded or if the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, you have to consider the entire process from, from time zone to time zone. You have to kind of zoom out and look at the whole story. Uh, the ones that I raced from one time zone to the next. I said, okay, we're through the market research. Now we're going to get through the RFP. We're through the RFP. Now we're going to get we're awarded a contract. And I wasn't thinking one or two time zones ahead. Those are the ones that I, looking back, were the ones that were challenging. Whereas the ones that we thought, okay, here's what the overall requirement is. Here's the market research. Here's how it's going to play out during source selection. Let's make sure that everybody totally understands these evaluation criteria before we start evaluating them two time zones from now. Now, granted, we didn't call it time zones back then, <laughs> but I, w I wish we had because that that clarity is what we were doing. We were thinking about what's going to happen in source selection. Think about what's going to happen in zone four, source selection, during zone two. The times that I did that, I was more successful. The times that I didn't, I spent a lot of time with lawyers talking about protests. And once I started to do that, we got stuff done faster and specifically by having people not bid. We did a site visit and during the site visit, two of the companies – one of them actually told me, he's like, yeah, this isn't for us. And then the other one ended up not bidding, and we ended up getting the magic number of three bids. So not only did I cut the number of proposals we had to evaluate by 40%, but I also kept two companies from wasting their time on something that once they saw the location, which, again, that's a pre-award activity. you gotta got to get them on base. I mean, it wasn't easy. I swear it was easier than having to evaluate two proposals you know, the next month during the next time zone. So it's a win-win for the industry and the government when only the folks with the best chance of winning actually bid. Yeah, let's get this back to the mission. We were talking before about yeah, celebrating. <laughs> the only thing that matters is the mission, delivering what the government needs. All of the acquisition back padding in the world is, is wasted. You can really hurt your arm patting yourself on the back that you released an RFP or that you finally awarded the contract. And it doesn't matter. If in the end, your program doesn't deliver what it's supposed to deliver, something that meets all the requirements on time and on budget, that's the only thing that matters. Because remember, the purpose of the contract is to take the requirement for somebody who needs something and fulfill that requirement from somebody who can make that something. That's the point of all this. And if we don't do that, we did a lot of talking. Yeah, acquisition people, and I'm guilty as well, often get wrapped up in the acquisition process or the contract as the be-all, end-all, the contract itself is there to fulfill the mission. It's not for just for the sake of being a perfect contract. Let's shift to why industry cares. You're the quote guy, Kevin. You you always are throwing quotes at me. Do you have one for this side? I, I, I know of you course, do. Of course I do. Uh, this is a sports quote. I think it was either Bear Bryant or Phil Jackson. Somebody said this. It's not the will to win. It's the will to prepare to win. That That's an important point. Another quote is that success is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. I like that one. That's the overnight success story. And this happens all the time in the music industry. You see somebody that, wow, they just released an album and it's number one and everybody loves them. I, th I think uh, Chris Stapleton won all of the country awards one year. Chris Stapleton is, I think he's, I think he's our age, Kevin. He's been around a long time behind the scenes writing songs, working his butt off. And suddenly he's famous. Oh my gosh, he came out of nowhere. Not really. He spent a lot of time doing all of the hard work preparing for that. It just seems like it happened overnight. So let's get back to the, the analogy we were using before. Get out of country music. Back to the fish in the stream. Yeah, industry. 
the sooner you see the fish coming your way downstream, the more likely you are to be able to throw the net and actually catch them. But if you're only looking at a narrow scope right in front of you, the fish are just floating by faster than you can grab them. And if you can get the government to actually throw the fish in the stream right at your net, <laughs> that's that's Which the that, that's getting ahead of the requirement, right? That that's that's selling your solution and having them write the requirement to you is they're just winging the fish right into your net, or they're letting you put the net like across the whole stream, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, okay. So let's let's look at it this way. Does it make sense to say that the odds of winning or your your probability of win, your p win, are inversely related? to the time left until the end of the RFP zone. I think it does, but it, it sort of makes it sound like, like time is the only contributor to the P win. I, I think time is, it's one of the major factors. So you may know about something way, way, way ahead of time, but what you sell, what you build doesn't actually solve that problem for the government. You, so your P win, you're still, you have no probability of winning in that case. But assuming that you have a chance to win, that you do what the government is looking for, yes, it's true that the earlier that you're involved in the process, the farther ahead of that proposal submission date, which is the end of the RP zone, the farther ahead of that that you're working on this, thinking about it, talking to people, writing, the better chance you have of winning. Yeah, think, think about how many people are looking at opportunities in the federal market. They're looking on federal business opportunities. And so if you just found something with a quick search, you put in a keyword and just found it, I'm thinking somebody else found it just as easily. (laughs) Lots of somebody else's who are doing the same thing. They're all seeing this opportunity going, hey, the RFP just came out for this a week ago. It's due in two weeks. Let's go after it. Lots of people probably found that. There are ways to tell how wired it is for somebody else and whether it's actually worth going after even with two weeks left. But that's a whole separate topic that we'll save for another podcast. Yeah, we're already getting distracted, so let's wrap this thing up. So the big takeaway for me is that early is relative. It's relative to the size of the acquisition, the acquisition strategy, how complex the requirement is, to what industry we're talking about. Either way, it's almost a business axiom that being early to this process will increase the success of the contract. Right, so up for a commodity, early isn't that far ahead probably. It might be as soon as... It pops up on Fed biz ops. But for a very complex acquisition, early could be before the requirement is even written. On the government side, starting early gives you margin to learn about what industry can do to ask and answer questions to make sure others communicating and then to make mistakes. If you start early in the process and say, hey, we want to do this as an award fee contract. And then somebody says, yeah, that's not going to work for us for the following 17 reasons. And you go, oh, okay. You can't recover from that after the RFP is already out. So by starting earlier, you can build momentum that speeds you through those zones later because you'll solve these problems up front. On the industry side, starting earlier gives you more options. Same same reasons. You can ask more questions. You can answer questions. You can you, you learn can disqualify more. yourself. You can target better. Exactly. You can learn more about the actual customer, the actual requirement, and yeah, the, and, and disqualify yourself from wasting time on something you can't win. Time is our most valuable resource, and both sides need to invest it wisely. I'll wrap up by telling a quick story because this literally, literally happened yesterday. This is timely content. I got an email from a program manager and a business development manager, and they asked me, can you call the customer and get their opinion on whether or not we have an organizational conflict of interest 
problem, an OCI problem. And I said, sure, I will do that next week. They said, no, we need to do it today because the RFP is going to come out next week. (laughs) Do you see a problem with that, Kevin? (laughs) It's like, I would have assumed that you would have known that before. Yeah, there's two issues here. Either one, we've invested a lot of time and energy writing a proposal and prepping for an acquisition that may all be wasted if now we start thinking about OCI and find out that we can't bid it. Or even worse, we've invested no time or energy writing a proposal ahead of time. The RFP is going to come out next week, and we have zero preparation for it. We're just going to start writing now. Both of those things mean the P-Win for this is probably pretty low. It just shows this is not easy to do. Yeah, these guys have a lot of experience. I'm sure there's a lot more to the story, but it struck me that right as we were preparing to talk about this kind of stuff, I get the, hey, can you check about this OCI thing? Because next week we're going to have to write a proposal. That's awesome. Perfect. All right, that's it. Talk to you later. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Dell Tech. Thank you for joining us.